Welcome to the ACO Show, a podcast about value-based healthcare and the people who make it happen. Today, you'll hear our interview with Connie Altman. Connie brings expertise and a wealth of experience to medical practice management, billing, and coding. It's a great conversation about practical ways to help primary care practices provide the best patient care within this new model of accountable care organizations, and especially the importance of involving the whole team to provide the best care. We talked mostly about ACOs, but a lot of what she describes would improve the management of any type of medical practice in any type of payment model. Produced by Aaron Wang and Hannah Posner. I'm Josh Israel, a physician and a medical director at Allidate. And I'm Joe Schunkweiler. I'm also a physician and I lead adoption and training here at Allidate. Welcome to the ACO Show. We're very pleased to have Connie Altman joining us today. Connie is an Implementation and Training Coordinator here at Allidade, and that title does not even begin to encapsulate what she provides. Many of us here at Allidade spend our days speaking about workflows and practice management, how we can improve a practice's mission in value-based care, but very few of us have actually done that at the practice level. Connie is one of those people who has, so we sort of think of her as a secret weapon here at Allidade, but I guess not so secret after this podcast. Connie, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Would you be able to give us just a, a quick rundown of your experience and how you landed at Allidade? Because I think it's particularly interesting, relevant to the work that you do now. So I um, joined Allidade because of the sense that I was a practice administrator for many years. And as an administrator and kind of coming into the new managed care world and the whole risk, I actually had joined and was working with the managed care organization. And several of the physicians that were part of that were actually coming into the world of joining the ACO, which led me into a former ACO and kind of managed to join and partner with Allidade. Your experience in uh, improving care at the practice level, how did it come to involve workflows and practice management? Well, it, it's always been something for me because I feel like the physicians are in the room and they really need to have a key person in place to actually kind of oversee and kind of almost like leading an orchestra in the sense of making sure that everything is working um, cohesive. And, you know, let's face it, a lot of our physicians kind of come into the world and it's not something that they're familiar with and they really need somebody that can kind of maintain and keep them aligned with other things that are happening in the in the field. So you see yourself as a bridge to the broader healthcare universe, uh, the regulatory changes, you know, billing and coding changes, things like that. Absolutely. And, and how that would impact the individual practice. Absolutely. And when you think about the the ways to actually drive change in a practice, um, you're one of the best people here and are you know, now have a national reputation for being able to do that. Uh, what's what's your strategy when you first go into a practice? How do you how do you leverage your own experience and, and the Allidade brand and all those kind of things to make that work? So for me, I when I walk into a practice, the first thing I do is I look at their waiting room, which I know sounds a little crazy, but you know, we're at a point where we're trying to talk to physicians about what's the best thing for your patient. And you walk in and there's so many mixed messages, even just by the signage they have all over the walls. Um, and, you know, carelessly, people even at the front desk a lot of times will be like, well, it's posted. Well, I, I can't even find it posted amongst the other hundred posters that you have. So it's really kind of a let's start from the beginning, walk in, clean. You know, do we have a clean presentation? Is, you know, is it a warm, welcoming environment for our patients? 
you know, and it's really important because that carries the message and carries over. And what a lot of people don't even realize, uh, there's a lot of secret patients. There's also a lot of secret shoppers in terms of even the, the healthcare plans. Um, so there's a checklist. They walk in. I mean, they want to know, like, are you handicapped accessible? Like, what's your waiting time? Like, is your signage posted with really who the current providers are even there? Because a lot of times those are outdated. Um, hours are not always posted. So it's a very mixed messaging on what they do and what services that they provide. So I start from there. And then as you get back, you just kind of like, I really try to shadow, if I can, every employee um, and, and what they feel actually is their job and their role. Um, I've always come from a point where I've always had my staff actually write their own job description because it's really interesting to see what people think that their job entails versus me giving you a list that says, here's the 20 things I expect you to do. And 21 and 22, you might add something to me, but it wasn't on my job description, so I'm not going to do it. Whereas I might not really know what somebody's doing without really understanding what they do every day. So, As Joe says, we do spend a lot of time here trying to figure out about workflows, um, you know, with our goal being to help practices move away from fee-for-service towards this value-based care paradigm. We, we also talk about who the right person in the practice is, who the lever is. You know, should it be the doctor? Should it be the care manager? But I've heard you talk about it really just has to be the team. It has to be the whole practice. Why is it that you see the, the whole team as most important for moving practices away from this fee-for-service, getting as many patients through as possible towards a system uh, focused on patient outcomes? So... Like your front desk person, the person that answers the phone is your first encounter with that practice. <clears throat> and if they're not educated to know what services are provided and what hours and what things that we can be able to do and even actually speak to what the physicians are and their background, because some patients really want to know. Um, some patients read on our websites and it says they're a diabetic educator, right? And I have diabetes and that's the only one I want to come to. Well, I can call, and if I'm pushed back six weeks or eight weeks to get an appointment with that person because I feel like that's the only person that does diabetic education, but I could have actually seen somebody else in a week, and maybe in that week, I could have avoided in that other seven weeks of sitting out there an emergency admission or something else that was going on. So from a team perspective, everybody knowing what we're working on, and the, the bottom line is really to be able to prepare and provide the best possible care to our patients and really kind of embrace them, their families, and everything. So when from a front perspective, how do you handle the patient? What messaging are they getting from you? And then you kind of move into like, you know, you come in and it's a check-in person. Like, let me make sure that I have the right insurance information. Nothing more frustrating from a patient. Like, I come, I see you, and now my bill's not being paid because you didn't bill it correctly. So, but that's the girl at the front that told me this is what I need to do. <laughs> So making sure that happens, when the nurse or the medical assistant takes you back, it's like asking the right questions, like giving them that extra minute of time to, to really listen to what they're trying to say. So I mean, my schedule says that you're coming in for a three-month checkup. But meanwhile, like I've had things that have happened. Like maybe I had a hospitalization that you didn't even know about. If I don't prep and set that physician or that provider up for success and they walk in and I'm just addressing a three-month follow-up and here's your medications and send you on your way, I might not know the other specialists that were involved, the changes to your prescription. So it's kind of like at any one of those points, something can seriously kind of drop wayside. Um, and we're not doing the right thing by our patients. So 
that really does take an entire team to make it happen. And trying to say like one person, it rests the laurels on one person, it really doesn't. It's everybody is just as important than the other person. So, and, and what barriers do you hit when you try to communicate this? <clears throat> um, well, first of all, when you come in, sometimes people are wondering who you are, right? Um, a, a lot of independent practices and a lot of practices in general, they're starting to see, like I said, your payers are coming in. Maybe it's a hospital is looking to kind of merge. People are seeing payers merge. So there's a fear of, like, is this person coming in to learn or take my job, put somebody else in place? Um, so it's really just kind of at a comfort level of, like, why don't you tell me, like, tell me what your barriers are, right, too. Like, sit down and, like, how does that work And observing, like, you have three people sitting in the corner kind of having a conversation about what the weekend presents or what they're going to do. And you've got one girl like running her head, like just trying to check people in, not even making a face-to-face -face with the patient. It's like use a clipboard, you know, and just kind of dismissing them. So you've already like, that's one step against me. If I'm standing at the front desk and the phone's ringing, right? And it's like, but I see three people standing around not answering the phone. When I'm a patient at home and the phone's ringing and ringing and no one's getting it, my visual is the three people standing in the corner having a weekend discussion. <laughs> so it, it's, those are the things it's like, what else could they be doing to help you out? Or do you not have access? And sometimes people are very smart. They'll just use their little phone and put the do not disturb. So the, the, the ringer doesn't come to me. I'm out of the loop. No one's going to never know I'm not really answering and helping out my team. So I just kind of sit with them in that aspect. What are your barriers in the sense of like, <clears throat> we don't have the capability to schedule any more patients. I don't have user or administrative rights to double book somebody. I don't have the capability to cancel that appointment because they were in a certain block, right? And so I can't move past that. And I've, I'm stopped in my tracks and I have to wait and try to find somebody else that can release an appointment time to be able to do it. And they sound like it's so small, but it's huge in terms of time and the the comfort level that the patient has. If I'm called from a practice and told, I'll have that at the front desk for you, and I come to the front desk and you don't have the form I asked you to fill out or my prescription, and now you've got to run around and try to find the person that who called because it's not documented, it's time spent taking you away from helping somebody else and really frustrating to that patient. So those are the things like, how can we streamline those little things? Like, don't make the call until you've actually walked it up front or until you actually have given it to the person at the front. So they can kind of control their own center, right? So when a patient comes in, oh, yeah, I have it for you right here. It's a very different takeaway. Like, you're a well-run, efficient office versus, I don't know, who called you? What did they tell you? <laughs> Just have a seat. I'll find someone. Those are all things that are frustrating. So from a front desk perspective, I look at that. When I get back to the MA part of it, it's more or less... That may be the medical assistant. Medical assistant center, sorry. So it's more of a, what does your triage center look like too, right? Is it clean? Do you have the right equipment to be able to even treat these patients and do? Um, for some practices, we have small practices. They only have two exam rooms. So it's very hard if you park somebody in a room and now... You made the appointment for me telling me that we're going to come back and we're going to talk about my results, and you don't have the results. Now I'm frustrated, too. I've waited in the waiting room for 15 minutes. Now you've parked me in an exam room for 15 minutes. And then you still can't even give me the results. So it's kind of like, how can we best prep ourselves for the day? Like, is it pre-visit planning? Are we reviewing our notes? It's the same thing in terms of even for us at Allidade, we have the huddle. 
And they kind of really tie together beautifully in the sense of being very successful at that appointment. So these are the things that I kind of look at and go through and then in every department, billing, coding, how are you getting your information? How are you using the information? Do you have access to the providers to ask questions back? You know, um, hopefully in most practices, the providers have made themselves readily available to the entire team. And it's not just a filter system to go to the, you know, go to the practice manager and have everything directed that way. It really, that's where you lose your team too, where if I can only speak to one person, I can't really have an approachable with everyone. There's a disconnect. I'm curious what role technology plays in improving and in some ways, you know, slowing down this process across the, the office. How have you seen that play out? Well, for technology, I think one of the easiest ones, obviously, is your EHR. And unfortunately, for a lot of our practices, when the EHR was initiated, the same team that was actually trained in the beginning, we've transitioned and changed. There's been a turnover. So I've now, I might only be training you to what I know, and there's a lot of other opportunity. But nobody knows it because nobody's been seen it. And as it keeps getting passed down and passed down to person, it, it gets diluted more and more and more. Like so a copy of a copy. Yeah. Yeah. So it's the same thing in terms of like, do you have the full access to it? Do you actually even understand how to utilize it in your own role and what things that you can be doing to actually help the other person? So, you know, all of our systems have the capability of really kind of tracking messaging. And a lot of times we don't even use that function. So patient calls back and, and this happens more and more too, where a patient misses a call, they call immediately back. They haven't listened to the message. And it's like, I don't know who called me. I didn't listen to the message. Oh, I have a 24 phone extension. <laughs> if I can go into the EHR and I can see who called and for what reason, at least I can direct that patient and be more successful in connecting them to the right person. The EHR in the sense of making sure that we're updating our problem lists because the problem is the problem list when we talk about that from a clinical perspective. So just making sure that we have the up-to-date version. And for a lot of our physicians, that's a cost. So for some, we, we don't even proceed into that. I can't tell you how many times I've heard people say, like, we're thinking about ditching the entire EHR and going to another one because it just doesn't do things. And it's like, it does a lot. You just don't know that it does these things. So we try to connect them with our EHR team because our EHR team is fantastic. Like, they know which ones are going to work for which um, we're not a, like, we only want to work with this one. We work with a vast um, list of, of EHRs. So knowing the nuances to each one of them is a, is a huge thing. As you describe it, it's really clear why a good practice manager can help a practice move towards value-based care. How often do you go to a practice and the physician has signed up, but the office staff doesn't even realize that they have now joined this thing called an accountable care organization? So unfortunately, it happens a lot where we go into a practice and the physician has signed and maybe even the manager might know a little bit about it, but they don't really know what we are and what we're going to do. So to be effective as a partner, and we are a great partner, is when everybody knows who we are and what we're able to do as well and what we bring to the table. So when you walk in and you talk and it's a physician that knows and it's like, okay, this is what they're going to do and... And a lot of them sign up and they really do say, and they believe that they're doing everything that we've presented and told them who we are and what we are as well. Like we're seeing our patients, we're calling our patients, we do hospital follow-ups. 
I round on my patients. So it's the perfect partner. And then when you get into it and you start to peel back the layers, it's like there are certain things and hiccups along the way that happen that they don't even realize that are that are even going on. So in terms of working with the, the practice administrator, it is a matter of like, we don't want to come in and tell you to do something different, right? Like you are making appointments. Like we're just going to kind of add to that. Like here's another type of an appointment that you could be offering for your patients. You're probably doing 90% of it already. But if you do this additional 10%, which is really in the best benefit of the patient, it, there is a revenue opportunity, but more importantly, there's a great opportunity to know additional things that might be available to your patient. So those are the, those are the steps. Your hospital follow-up. You know, we so many times they see like patient was in for a hospital follow-up. They don't even know that the transition and care visit exists in the sense if you made that courtesy call. Or more importantly, that you've documented that you had the call. Like you, you already did. You actually did make the call. But making sure that we're getting that discharge summary to kind of tie in the whole picture, and that we're actually doing a medication reconciliation with the medications that they left the hospital with, or what the intent was. Um, in terms of care management, like a lot of our practices are talking to some of these patients two, three times a week already. They don't even understand that they're providing care management, but it's the documentation behind it. So these little things, once you start to explain it to them and streamline their workflow, just to show them how if you just shifted this little bit, how it actually tells and reflects a bigger story about what you're doing with your patient has a huge impact, huge impact to the patient care. And it can be a revenue impact for the practice as well. One thing that I really pride myself in terms of Validate is we're very good at giving people the great resources in terms of telling them like the diagnosis codes where the opportunities are for your patient and why there might be a difference between coding one thing and another thing. Mm -hmm. And it's never about upcoding and saying something isn't true about a patient. It's really about telling the true story of the patient. Mm -hmm. We really work hard in terms of showing them how to document on that and tie everything together. If they're on a prescription for something, but you don't have it documented, like what are we saying about that? So pulling those things together is really key. I just want to put a spotlight on something you've been saying, because I'm not sure we've covered it closely enough on this show, which is we have some pretty lofty goals here to try to help change the healthcare system towards one that focuses on improved patient health. Uh, so why are we talking about something so pedestrian as revenue management or procedure coding, um, billing? And the answer, I think, is that though accountable care organizations succeed by bringing down the cost of care, we don't want to bring down the cost of all care. We want to bring down the cost of care that is unnecessary, you know, duplicate lab tests or emergency department visits that could have been prevented by an outpatient visit. And we want to increase good revenue. We want to increase uh, preventive care. We want to increase, as you said, the, the transitions of care visits or TCM visits, um, annual wellness visits. So we want to help the practices see the sources of revenue that help their bottom line, but also work towards this bigger goal we have of uh, preventive health. And do you think that that is something that the practices by and large understand when we're talking about revenue opportunities? When we first meet with them, a lot of them know. And and for some of them, actually, they, they, they are doing some of the work already. So some have been already step ahead. If they're functioning, they're doing it. But then actually when you start to review even what they're doing, it's like they're missing components of it. So we talk about the annual wellness visit, as you said. There's a lot of screening and revenue opportunities behind the scenes on that that they did not know existed. 
or they've billed for them. And this happens a lot. We've billed for it and we didn't get paid, so we stopped doing it. Well, it didn't mean you needed to stop doing it. <laughs> like one, you want to continue to do it and you want to bill for it and you need to bill for it the right way. So with everything, you know, in the, a wellness visit, there's like basically three different levels to it. There's the welcome to Medicare, which there's a lot of inclusive things that happen. And no, you're not going to get paid for those. The next one you can provide, you could be doing some depression screenings. You could be doing your tobacco counseling. You could be doing the alcohol screening and counseling for it. So those are additional revenue opportunities where they're actually asking a lot of these things and it's documented. They're just not billing for it. And part of it is, is they didn't know it exists. So they're not dropping it to a biller encoder and a biller encoder isn't billing for it. Is anyone who uh, works with me or is in my family knows I torture people with book recommendations and other podcast recommendations in addition to this one. Uh, and I listen to a lot of business podcasts and, and it's, it's in vogue to talk about service industries now with the rise of Shake Shack or other, you know, fast casual restaurants that have a particular ethos to the way they run. And when you listen to those podcasts or read those books, so much of the service industry innovation seems like common sense. Um, and, and I'm reminded of that as you were talking earlier about the patient experience when they walk in the practice, but also the flow all the way throughout. Um, it's, not, um, it's not particularly complex to smile and be attentive and pay attention when people come in, but it's also not particularly complex to make sure all of your documentation is in order and it's just putting all that together makes it a complex system. So to what extent do you think a lot of these things are common sense, but it takes a third party, a respected third party like Alidate or yourself as an emissary of Alidate to come in and highlight those things? So, I mean, you're right. It's, it's a lot of it is common sense. Um, and I think sometimes, to be honest, we even get into a situation with our own, within our own practice where there's a leadership, and sometimes people are afraid to question the leadership and ask and, and even give suggestions and ideas. And maybe something was shut down one time by one person, but I really think that that's what makes a strong practice manager is somebody that has the capability, like, right, like you want to surround yourself with the best. You want to be asking the right questions and saying to them what challenges and what has, because sometimes just even listening to them, you can kind of find out where the common sense comes in, right? Like what makes them tick a certain way? What makes them think that that's what needs to happen? Like I really am driven by um, the patient care. Like to me, that's like the number one thing. And if I feel like we're just hurtling people through and just rush, 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 that's not what I want to be a part of. I really want to make a difference with somebody. So that's what I want to be around people. Like, how would you be treating your own mother, your own family member, if you like them? <laughs> I mean, you know, you want to, right. that's what works for me. Um, that's funny. We do always say that here. You know, is this something you'd want your? Is this the kind of care you'd want to give your mother? And right. that, that that does make a lot of assumptions. I feel like this is a particularly psychiatrically that's right. Right. conversation, Josh. Uh, well, Connie Altman, Implementation and Training Coordinator here at Alliday, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me.